Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are live on this Thursday afternoon from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We've got it all on tap with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK's back with us soon. We're talking baseball this segment and every Thursday through the playoffs with Michael McHenry, former Pirates catcher, Blue Raider, and uh, soon-to-be guru on your TV with all things analytics, maybe manager. Who knows? The possibilities are wide open. Mike, hope you're doing well, man. Uh, you know who leads me. I'll let the big man take care of it. And how about those Raiders? Taking down Miami? Mm. I still can't Love believe it. it. Did you see that one coming, Michael? Did you did you put some money on the? Uh, I've given my thoughts the here. going into that. Hut, Hutton was shocked. He said he was completely I, shocked. I lost money. Let <laughs> me tell you, absolutely shocked. But I mean, if you want to run with the big dogs, you better be ready to eat, right? <laughs> That's right. Hey, so um, I want to get to Aaron Judge in just a moment, who hit sixty-one. But but from the the end of the homer, Matt Bushman in the the Blue Jays bullpen. We know Sarah Walsh well. And uh, she's tweeting out, hey, you know, the hubby has the baseball. He hands it over, of course. What would have happened behind the scenes, baseball protocol, if Matt Bushman takes that baseball and hands it to a Blue Jays fan? Oh, uh, first off, very bad career move, you know, because (laughs) it's a giant family. And the reality of it is I played for nine teams somewhere around there, maybe 11, 12, if you think about winter leagues and stuff, you're going to end up kind of being around those guys that maybe you did something to or whatever. So you need to remember that that guy may be a brother in arms at some point. So you always want to try to do the right thing. So yeah, if he did that, that'd have been terrible for maybe his career, the look, his brand, everything. So I'm glad he didn't. I'm sure they're going to get a very nice surprise at some point from yeah. judge. Just a big thank you. Um, just the type of human being he is and kind of the rumors. And that's kind of, how it goes on behind the scenes, right? Like something's going to happen. Maybe they get a new watch. Maybe they get some something really cool. Who knows? But he would have he would have improved his brand with the people. He would have been a champion of the people, Matt Bushman, at that point. That hey, I'm going to make this average fan right here rich by giving him this ball because now he can go sell it. <laughs> so he would have lost the baseball crowd and and would have been more difficult to get a job after that. But he would have won over the people with that move. I mean, Canada, one team. United States you know I'm just saying like I'm gonna you gotta pick your poison there that's fair it's fair point first time (laughs) first time you crossed paths with with Aaron Judge was when when he took the plate in the minors so it was actually spring training he was a big league invite wasn't on the roster yet um I don't remember who I was with I believe it was the Pirates but I'll never forget I didn't pay attention to his BP I'm locked in trying to make a team and I'm starting this game and literally a juggernaut. I felt like it was a folk hero <laughs> step in the box because I never played against a guy that was 6'8", 280 pounds. I mean, this guy was ginormous. And I didn't know who he was. That was the thing. I was like, literally, it felt like I heard footsteps. 
He gets in the box. He takes up the entire thing. And I'm just looking up and shadows over me. I'm five, nine, right? So he's six, eight. And I'm like, how's this dude playing baseball? He should be playing in the NFL. This is like the ideal create a player for a tight end. And man, like I didn't expect him to be what he was, but he came up, hit me on the shin guard, say, how you doing, sir? And, you know, just went to work. And that was where he was trying to figure things out. But from that point on, I was so interested with this monster of sorts to say, I'm going to keep up with this guy. And that wasn't something I normally did outside of like some of my friends. So from that point forward, I kept up with him. Then I ran back into him in 17, Tampa Bay. I got out there early. I watched his BP. I was blown away. The only person that blew me away like that was Stanton. Because I thought Stanton, Yeah. when I went to Miami, I walked out of the clubhouse I'm like, man, look at this left. He's got a ton of pop hitting in the second deck in right field. And I turned me and Josh Harrison to go, bro, bro, he's, he's right-handed. And we were in shock. Then judge in 17. So that was in 2013 judge. He was hitting balls that I tried everything in my power to hit. And I felt like I was hitting a nine iron and he was a driver. It was just, it was remarkable what he can do. Like, a special talent, special person. Well, and not only that, I mean, he he had the little drought. Now he tied it. He's going to get 62 now, now that he's got that one to tie it and, and get over that drought. But he's going for the triple crown. I mean, that that's not something that happens often at all. You talk about history. Uh, go through and look how few, how, many, how few that's happened in the AL with that as well. Just a remarkable season throughout. I mean, it's incredible. And don't forget, analytically, he's a very good defender. I, I, I believe he's a plus defender. He's got absolute bazooka. He could probably throw you know, mid to upper 90s off the mound, maybe just a one-inning guy, but who knows. But yeah, what he's doing, I don't think people understand how incredible it is. The last guy that won the triple crown in the AL is Cabrera. He's the best hitter I ever played against. He was very tough to get out because he was very cerebral and very, very good at just having fun. So he would do things that we're just unorthodox, and he's also a huge human being. So what he's doing and how he's progressed over his career, he's gotten better every single year. It's a contract year on the biggest platform in baseball, beating a controversial home run record that people don't even know how to say it. Oh, he's the AL home run leader. Well, he's either the home run leader or not. It's an asterisk or not. Like, we need to establish that. But whatever he's doing, the league is not hitting. The league is not hitting for power and average and doing all the things he's doing wrapped up in one. There's no one like him. Michael so McHenry, that's what's our incredible guest. to me. So let, let's, um, let's just, but it's the three of us talking here. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that he turned down the contract he did and then did this, uh, the balls that that takes to do that first and foremost, and then the, the, to back it up is worth, uh, worth what? The, the, the guys that you talk to, they're like, oh, this guy's about to break the bank and then some based on a career year. Not just a career year, an all-time Hall of Fame-worthy season. I mean, think about it, Jonathan. You're talking about not just life-changing money. You're talking about generational-changing money. I mean, he's adopted. Sweetest mom ever. If you saw him hug and kiss her, yeah. um, she looked like a little, little, little bit compared to him. But... Life-changing money. He goes out, big dude, unprecedented size in baseball. Most of those guys get hurt. That's the big taboo. Everybody's worried about Pittsburgh with O'Neill Cruz. So the reality of it is he's taking a huge risk, but it's because he knows himself. 
He's gotten better every single year. He prepares the right way. I mean, LeBron James and these guys that pour millions of dollars into their health have an idea of what they have to do to stay healthy. Now, there's some things that you can just not predict, but he went out, he trusted the process and understood if nothing else, it was part of a bigger plan and he would deviate if he needed to. Most of the time, guys just follow their agent. And it seems like he's a guy that's kind of into it all, really good with the fans. He talks great with the media. So I think this guy made that decision and said, if they don't hit this, I just want to go out and play. And it's thoughtless for me. And he just went out and played. We're going to have plenty of time to dissect the contract moving forward. But you say there's no way that the Yankees don't bring him back, right? Yeah, but the way the money's thrown around and some of the free agents, you got to think about DeGrom's a free agent. That's $43 million a year. Easy. Verlander is doing, I guess, the new Tom Brady type in baseball. 39, going to be 40. He looks like he's not going to stop. He's going to win an ERA title, maybe the Cy Young. He's going to be worth 43. And let's not forget, if the Angels don't lock up Shohei Itani, they got problems. That guy's going to take maybe a city in L.A. to pay him. So, like, there's a lot of money that's going to be thrown around, including Judge. I mean, you got T, you got Turner, you have all these guys. You're talking about $35 million players. Michael McHenry, our guest, uh, former Major League catcher. You've been behind the plate with Judge at the plate. Um, no matter the pitcher, what are you calling behind the plate? What's the scouting report on Judge, and how difficult is it to pitch to him? Well, first off, if you just cannot pitch to him, that's the smartest thing. That's exactly what the Blue Jays did, and that's why this took so long. Because they're at it. if you're playing him and he's hot, you stay away from him. You always look at a lineup and say, who do you need to stay away from? And sometimes the best player is the guy that's the coldest. So it's like, let's go after him and get the guy behind him. It all depends on that. But uh, the biggest thing in baseball is you have to understand the guy on the mound, the personality he has. That's how I call it a game. And then go to the philosophy. Then you look at the situation and all these different things. But if I had to say just generically, he's so big. He doesn't hit the very bottom of the zone very well. It's kind of weird, right? Because his bottom of the zone is actually the middle of the zone, middle bottom. So I would try to play at the bottom and go up and in above close to him because anything close to your eyes, your brain says, oh yeah, I got it. And all those big moving pieces, he's in trouble if I can throttle him. So I go down with soft, I go up and that creates an effective velocity. So down is actually slower than it is on the radar gun bike. Anywhere from minus one to minus four, up is a plus four. And if I get those numbers right, no matter what, his brain can't handle it. But I'm always going to the pitcher's strength, the situation. And if I could just stay away from him, I am. Because everybody's not trying to give up the homer. So that anxiety goes. They float one in. It's elevated. You'll see more guys give up elevated sliders and stuff to big-time hitters chasing stuff like pulls. There's big controversy. Is he taking something? He's doing this. No, nobody wants to be that guy. So they have all that pressure on them. I don't want to be 700. That thing's going to play every single day for the next 100 years somewhere. So that's the reality. There's a lot of human element to it. And he's a tough out. And he's gotten better and better and better. I, I, I just, I'm thinking here, can you imagine if Judge sent some type of gift to the pitcher and catcher from last night's game? Oh. <laughs> that that would be something. Oh. That that would that would be next level. Uh, it would be both along with the baseball. It'd be both you know sweet and trolling <laughs> of of him to do it for sure. Um, looking at the Yankees, there was a time this season, Michael, where they were running away from everyone with overall record. 
That's not the case anymore. The Astros have the best record in the American League. Dodgers, Mets, Bra- uh, Braves all have better records in the National League than the Yankees. But I do feel like with this home run chase, they've gotten some of their mojo back watching this team play. Do you feel like they've gotten some of that early season mojo back heading into the playoffs? I do, and I, and I really believe Anthony Rizzo, Chapman coming back, Severio coming back, that gave them a boost. I mean, that's like a – if you think about how they used to have those July 31st trade trades, that's a huge trade acquisition with all those guys coming back. And with Rizzo coming back, I felt like he had a better opportunity to be protected. They threw him in that leadoff spot, Rizzo right behind him, and then he started going off again because, I mean, he's he's just an absolute danger at that ballpark because of that right field and the way it just kind of – carries out and the wind blows uh, kind of a weird way out there. So, yeah, I think the mojo's back. I think they're really hitting that momentum. And you guys know we watched the Braves do it last year. That momentum is so important going in. And you can see it when these guys celebrate. And I, I see the Cardinals and I see the Yankees going to the World Series because the best storylines are there, right? Why not? If the baseball gods are good to us, they're probably going to do that as much as I would rather see the Braves. That's my team growing up. The Cardinals and the Yankees just seem fitting because of the historic significance to Albert, Judge, and then you have Molina and Wainwright. We think they're all three retiring. We're not sure. We'll see. I never believe them until they walk away for a year. So pretty cool stuff when you think about it. If you're a baseball fan, if you're just a sports nut, it's pretty neat stuff. So uh, Michael's being modest, by the way. So he's mentioning Pujols and Judge. Michael McHenry at Reese Smith Field is the only guy I know, and it may be ever, uh, I don't know, this should be this should be in the, the record books uh, for college baseball uh, at that field. You're the only guy I know that's hit it into the football stadium. Chad's familiar with Reese Smith Field and Floyd Stadium. Uh, over the left, what is it, 370 there? I'm trying to like give you some credit here. You're being very modest. Um, <laughs> you went, uh. It went through the stadium, and it was the baseball was found on the football field. Um, true story. That, that's a blast. Yeah, it... It, I guess they said it went over the state, like over the, yeah, like, like yeah. over the stadium, yeah, left center. No, you, um, no, I, they don't have to say it. You can say it. You saw it. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't be modest about it. It's a cool memory. It was a goal of mine, and I, I saw guys <laughs> hit the panel, and I'm like, man, I want to go inside that thing, you know. And I, I want to see just a little baseball on the field because it just goes ting, ting, ting because it's got that metal bleachers. Yep. And I got to do that. And the weirdest thing is, is it was a cold, rainy day left-handed slider down and in. And I didn't think I got it as well as I did. And then literally I'm like, where did it go? And you just heard ting, ting. I'm like, no, no. And sure enough. I mean, just a goal accomplished. I think I smiled for three weeks. Where's that baseball? Oh, I definitely have it. It's in, Good. it's in a little case. I'll show you, I'll show nice. you next time in town. I have, I have all that saved. Braves Love coming it. up with the Mets, Jeff. Yeah. So uh, last night's a great example. There's only one pennant race going on in baseball right now. And it's in the NL East. And it's not a dire situation because either team will be the top wildcard team. So it's not like the loser's not going to be in the playoffs, which would make the stakes much higher. But I thought last night was a great illustration that a Wednesday night in September in Major League Baseball with one good team playing one really bad team can still be exciting because the Braves and Nationals were close throughout the game. The Braves lose in extra innings to the Nationals. The Mets were up four nothing or down four nothing in the eighth to the Marlins, come back and win in extra innings, and now the Mets have a one-game lead going into that series where it looked like for a long time last night, I'm watching the Braves, following the Mets, I'm thinking the Braves are about to go back home with a one-game lead in this, and instead it's the Mets with a one-game lead. 
but you follow this sport closely, Michael. You know that sometimes can be the beauty of the game, that you get something dramatic where you don't always expect it. That's the crazy part about baseball. I mean, if you think about college football, it's the probably biggest gap for me when you think about baseball. I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates, we're going to lose 100 games this year. We won against LA, two series. You know, we beat the Yankees at home. Like, there's a there's a just absolute joy to see guys go out, grind it out, and see some of the best players in the world who fail 70% of the time. Now it's even more than that. And you can beat them on any given day because all these dudes are major leaguers, and you never know who's going to be the next Mike Trout that's drafted 24th overall, who's the best player of the generation, my generation, in my opinion. He's, he's going to walk away. Dude's going to hit 40 homers. He said 11 homers or something this month. And that's the reality. It's like, that's what's so cool about this game is you never know. Albert Pools, what round was he drafted in? What, the 24th, 34th? Or no, it's 13th, excuse me. And out of junior college, everybody's like, oh, this guy's never going to be able to handle that type of movement in the big leagues. His scout report, if you ever get back and read it, it's remarkable. It just it allows that little boy dream to be. And I think if they did a better job like you guys do of kind of promoting those big time things like they did back in the 20s and 30s, like, hey, come see Jacob DeGrom. He takes on Aaron Judge. New York, New York, let's go. You know, I just see the top hats, the cigars, little scotch. Let's go. I guess a yeehaw beer now. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Um, Braves-Mets this weekend, it's set up. The Mets have an opportunity to go ahead and win this thing. And if the Braves take two out of three at home, they're going to be tied with three games left in the regular season. And you've got one, two, and three going for each team in terms of their star pitchers. Uh, This will feel like, uh, weather depending, in Atlanta, it's going to feel like a playoff series this weekend, Michael. What, What do you think about the matchup between these two? The home team, Atlanta, the chop. I know there's controversy around that, and I think it's tired. But at the end of the day, there's something to be said when a group of human beings get behind you like that. I mean, you guys know Tennessee, you go to Nayland Stadium when they're playing good like they are now. I mean, your heart rate goes through the roof. I literally want to put on pads and run out on the field. That's what the Braves are going to have. That's what New York has now because they're playing so well. So I can I could never bet against the Braves, even if the odds were in their favor, because they're at home. And what they do last year, I can't remember. Did they win the World Series? I oh, believe yes, they, they did. did. I, I believe I yes, remember them winning did. the World Series also. Who that won was a the big moment for me. Yes. <laughs> hey, um, uh, behind the scenes here, we mentioned this, and I was going to bring it up with you today. Final thing. So prior to the hurricane hitting Florida, the discussion was rescheduling the game or moving the game somewhere else or playing a doubleheader or moving it to next Thursday, I believe, the day before the playoffs begin on Friday. As a player, behind the scenes, what are guys talking about in the clubhouse on what they would prefer to do? I mean, first you think about the the families that are affected. Like right. our, our manager in Pittsburgh, he, his his house probably just got destroyed. They got their family out of there. We have friends and family down there. So that's first and foremost. MLB and a lot of teams do an amazing job making sure that they help during that so you can focus on the, on the game. I could tell you some incredible stories about some tragedies in my life where the Rockies really stepped up, but we'll do that another day. So the reality of it is that's first and foremost, and then they focus on the game. And if you're the Atlanta Braves and everybody behind the scenes, they know how good they are at home, and they're doing everything in their power to stay there, no matter what, because that's fair to the city. That's I mean, we saw what happened last year with the All-Star game. It sucks for the people. It should always be thought about as the fans and who's comfortable. Let these people be comfortable. Don't try to change too much because the world's 
a nasty place at times. And the more change sometimes can cause you know, more problems. So at the end of the day, just let it flow, trust it, push it back a couple of days. It's okay. Like let's let's just make sure everybody's okay. Make sure it's in Atlanta. So you you wouldn't mind the double header aspect of it if it's rained out once or it, twice. There's probably going to be a double header looking at the forecast this weekend, probably on Sunday. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind at all because they they set that precedence early in the season because of the the strike and all the confusion. Yeah, and I think we ended up having five scheduled day night double headers. So these guys are used to it. It's clean. They have a little bit of a extension with the roster. So let's go. The fort. Michael McHenry has been with us, the Fort McHenry, uh, with us each Thursday as uh, we look through the playoffs and the matchups, the pitching, the hitters, all of it. We're, we're going to really dive into the numbers moving forward. Great perspective today as well with Aaron Judge, Braves, Mets, and, and more. Good to see you, man. Glad you're a part of the show. Hey, I really appreciate it. I love these talks, and thanks for the love with the homer. That was, that, that was really nice. Always love talking. It's kind of nice to go I, back to the I wish I would have seen days. that home run now. After, I, I, after heard, I've heard a lot about it, and um, he he's the only dude that's, to my knowledge, hit it in the stadium. So, props. You were the judge at Middle Tennessee State University. All rise. Baby judge. There we Way go. baby judge. <laughs> baby judge. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon, man. All right, guys. Thank you. The yeah, constable. God bless. More of a constable than a judge. Yes, the constable. All rise. <laughs> the acting judge is in session. Yes. Um, uh, props to Aaron Judge hitting 61. And Chad, I'm with you. 62 happens. 63 happens. I mean, now we're going to see a tear with all of this. I, I I agree. Armando Salguero about to join us. A lot to discuss, including tonight's Thursday night football matchup. Dolphins in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. They had a walkthrough at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, Mike McDaniel noticed someone was watching practice. I believe it was from Barstool. And in, in the walkthrough, he added a, a 12th man on offense to try to confuse everyone. Instead of removing the person that was watching practice, they tried to complicate things for the person watching practice. We will ask Armando about this and the matchup tonight with Joey Burrow. Joe Cool. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. From 6th and Peabody, with Rowan Hutton with you. PK back soon. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Outkick.com streaming live right now. And you can read Trey Wallace on the SEC and our next guest, Armando Salguero, 
senior NFL columnist for Outkick uh, down in Florida. How are things uh, with the hurricane, Armando? Thinking about you, man. Hope things are well. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not home. Uh, there is no power at my house. There is no Wi-Fi at my house. But you know what? Uh, that's nothing compared to some of the stuff that happened in Fort Myers and on the west coast of Florida. It's uh, it's just terrible. But I know that Floridians are tough people, including all the ones from New York that just came five minutes ago. <laughs> and and so uh, it won't be the first time that Florida rebuilds and come, comes back stronger. It won't be the last. Thursday night football tonight, uh, Miami on the road. They beat the Bills. We'll get into that too. Um, Two was going to play, right? The, the idea is he's going to. He was questionable. He's there. He's playing. What What do you make of the health status of him and moving forward now? That's really the determining factor on where he's going to end up in in the the shelf life of what two has been through three weeks. Can he stay durable enough for this offense? Right, uh, as Bill Parcells famously once said. Durability is an availability. Availability is uh, is an ability. It's uh, it's important. Look, the the great quarterbacks of our day, and really the great quarterbacks of any day, among their many gifts is they are able to play and play and play and play. And it's you know the most violent sport in America, and. I would say to you, Tom Brady, for example, hasn't missed a game since 2008. Uh, you know, you've got guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be 39 in December. I think he's missed a total of five or six games. And that was in 2017 when he broke his clavicle. So um, the point being that the great ones, they go years and years and years and years without missing a game. And that doesn't mean that they're not hurt. That doesn't mean they're not injured, but they find a way to still be in the lineup and still help their teams. So you've got Tua who's facing a legitimate injury and is going to play through it. And then you've got Joe Burrow on the other side that I'm shocked he's not facing a legitimate injury right now based on his line's inability to protect. Armando, so far, everyone's gotten to Burrow and through that, that Cincinnati offensive line. What do you think about Miami's ability to do that in this game tonight? So that's interesting because, uh, you know, the, the big Joe Burrow highlight and the one that went viral on social media is the one against the Baltimore Ravens, I think it was last year, when they zero blitzed him and he burned them. And... During the the viral clip, he goes, you can't zero me. You can't zero me. Um, Well, guess what? The Miami Dolphins zero everyone more than anyone. They are the most zero blitz team in the entire NFL. And for everyone's knowledge, and I'm not trying to act like I know football or anything like that, but a zero blitz is when you bring when you cover every receiver man to man and then everyone else goes after the quarterback. And typically that's five, six, sometimes seven people after the quarterback. And inevitably someone is unblocked because the quarterback is not blocking 
for himself. So he has to throw hot to a receiver who is man-to-man, and that receiver has to win immediately, if not sooner, as my mother-in-law would say. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Joe Burrow, can he beat the zero blitz not just once, but multiple times? Do the Dolphins try to do it? And, oh, by the way, um, does the Cincinnati offensive line, which has given up, I think, 15 sacks this season, at some point, they've got to start playing like it is, in fact, a new offensive line that was refurbished and improved because so far improved has not been the thing. With you. With you on that. Armando Salguero with us. Um, on the flip side, we, we talk a lot about the Miami offense and for good reason. Defensively, Xavier Howard has been excellent. Watching the game last week, matched up against Diggs on a, a, a several plays. Great game by by what we've what we've seen in the defensive back uh, field for for Howard and and the Dolphins. What do you think of the matchup tonight, Jamar Chase? And then Burrow last week had two receivers over around a hundred yards by halftime, albeit against the Jets, but he did it. What what's the determining factor tonight for both offenses and defensively? What matchups are you watching? Well, first of all, for the Miami defense. Excuse me. Last week, they were on the field for 90 plays against the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, much is said about how Miami has a home field advantage in the heat and the humidity of South Florida. But, you know, these guys are human. And here we are four days later, not a full week, four days later, that defense has to come and deliver again after playing 90 plays on Sunday. So I'm going to be very interested to see how much gas they've got left in the tank. Uh, beyond that, I expect Xavier Howard and Jamar, uh, you know, to, to Jamar Chase to get to know each other very well. <laughs> uh, I'm, we're going to see that. And the rest is where I think the Bengals have an advantage because you got to remember the Dolphins typically – they want to come to a game with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones as their starting cornerbacks. Byron Jones hasn't played all year. And so, and he's not playing tonight, obviously. So what you're going to see is Nick Needham, other guys that really aren't the best that the Dolphins have to deliver. Uh, and those guys have, have shown themselves to be a little bit uh, of a target and a successful one for opponents. So the off-corner not named Xavier Howard, watch out because T. Martin is a threat. Joe Burrow understands where to pick defenses apart. That's a thing. So I didn't think that we'd be sitting here and in, in previewing week four and that if I was going to ask one question about an AFC South team <laughs> that I would not be asking you about Colts-Titans – but instead asking you about the monumental matchup between Jacksonville and Philly this weekend with the Jags at 2-1 and one and the Eagles at 3-0. and oh. Is Jacksonville for real right now, Armando? What, what do you make of what they've done so far, especially that impressive performance last weekend? So when I talked to Doug Peterson during uh, my visit to the Jaguars in training camp, He kept telling me, we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but we're going to get there. And there's going to be things that will surprise people. 
And lo and behold, so far, surprise number one, the scheme that Doug Peterson used in Philadelphia has been expanded. Uh, his offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, who happens to be Zach Taylor, his brother, Zach Taylor, the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, they've put together a nice little offensive package in Jacksonville. They've given Trevor Lawrence a lot of answers and he takes them and he, do, you know, he is playing like a quarterback that actually is coached by an offensive coach who played quarterback, which is exactly what Doug Peterson is and was. And so he has risen. I think he's got, what is it? Six touchdown passes. He threw uh, 11 all of last year. So he, he is making, I'm not saying he's making that huge second year jump that everybody talks about, but there is marked improvement. And I would say that that is likely to continue. And, you know, there's a reason that guy was the number one overall pick and we're starting to see some of that. So do I believe that the Jaguars are a playoff team? I don't know about that at this point. I know the Detroit Lions aren't a playoff team, Chad. <laughs> no, that was Jonathan. Uh, Chud and Armando. Oh, was it, you, it, was, Jonathan? it was Hutton asking about the Lions. Armando, I, 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 I like uh, the Lions, but I'm sitting in the Nissan Stadium press box on oh, Sunday, yes. and the Lions lead by like 17, and I'm I nearly press send on the text <laughs> to you. And I said, hey, uh, I know you're not watching because you think they're scrubs, but are you watching this Detroit game? And I'm glad I didn't send that text because Detroit, they blew um, it. They, they blew were it just Detroit like Armando said. The, they were going to blow it. They, they are, they're not a good team. As I finished the segment last week, I think they're a playoff contender. I will still maintain that based on the seventh seed. The seventh seed is going to allow teams to not be good but still be a playoff contender in week 17 of the season, Armando. And Detroit's one of those. Well, you scarred me last week because you <laughs> threw the Lions at me. And I was like, wow, the Lions. Have I not given the Lions proper thought? And this came into my recollection. You know that Dan Campbell was the Dolphins interim head coach um, in 2015. Yes. Yep. When Joe they, Philbin got fired. They won a national And one of year. the things... Right. And one of the things that I was told when he was picked and he was picked, plucked as a tight ends coach was he's not ready. He doesn't know how to manage a game yet. We're going to help him. It's true. We're going to help yeah. him. We're going to get him some people that will help him with in-game decisions. But he is a great leader. Well, guess what? Here we are, 2022. And what I saw last week was a guy that still needs help managing the game. And I think he went for it on fourth down like four yes. or five times. And then in the most vital moment of the game, when he needed to go for it, he opted to go for a field goal instead, which, of course, missed, which, of course, gave Minnesota the ball at the point of the kick which, of course, led to Minnesota's winning touchdown drive. So I'm not saying that the Lions are, are a bad team and have a bad roster, but they're incomplete in that respect, and their coach is not fully formed yet, I don't believe. Yeah, and we, we got into it. I say got into it. We had a great discussion last week where we differed on 
whether or not the Lions were legit. I think they have legit talent. And I said, we're going to find out if they have legit coaching. That's how we started it. And they, they're hosting the Seahawks this week. They should win that game if they're good like I think, like fringe good. And then they're going to New England without Mac Jones. So we'll, we'll find out over the next two weeks about Detroit and their coaching as they face two good coaches with Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. And, and on, what is it? So what, what's what your, is it in the next two weeks stuff? Don't you understand this is the NFL? We have to know everything okay. based on the last game. So and we have to know what's happened the whole rest of the season. Well, what, what I'm hearing is basically uh, Dan Campbell is Nathaniel Hackett because Nathaniel no, Hackett, they bad. had to hire someone to come in and make decisions for them in games. No, no, no. Nathaniel Hackett's coaching Russell Wilson in doing that. Yeah, that's true. And taking him off the field. Dan Campbell's keeping Jared Goff on the field. There's a difference there. Um, Armando, the, uh, speaking of it's early in the season, we have to have a determination all the time. If the Bills lose to Baltimore this week, what's the perception of Buffalo all of a sudden? Look, uh, so <laughs> last week they lost to the Dolphins with an entirely new secondary. Entire, not, not one guy out of the four not half of the guys out of the four. All four guys yep. knew. Rookies. Unproven. And they lost to them. Why? Because on offense, on a fourth down play, on fourth and goal, Josh Allen skipped a pass to an open receiver. And then they couldn't figure out how to run a clock play. So that's the reason they lost. Um, what I, this is a long-winded way of saying the Bills are good. They just lost to a 3-0 and team based on the fact that things that don't normally happen, happened. And situations you don't normally face, they were facing. Eventually, that secondary is going to get good. They're going to get healthier. I know they're without Micah Hyde for the rest of the year, but they're going to be good. If they lose this week, guess what? They're likely to go 15 and two. <laughs> so I, I don't think anyone in Buffalo is pressing the panic button. Um, I know that Josh Allen isn't. And, and so I'm not so certain that I would come off of the Bills as the favorite to win that division. Don't disagree. Uh, finally, Titans, Colts. We know you picked Indy to win the division. Are you backing down off of that based on what you've seen? They lucked into the win. I say lucked in. I mean, there was a penalty, and then their uh, Kansas City special teams were, were awful. Credit to the Colts. They won the game. Um, can the Titans go on the road and win? Am I allowed to back out of, of sure. preseason uh, predictions? Yeah. Wait until you see my preseason prediction. Please, please backpedal. <laughs> go ahead. If you want me to backpedal like Deion Sanders, I will. Do it. <laughs> But, uh, because, but but who wins this game based on what you've seen? Who has been more disappointing to start the year, <laughs> Tennessee or Indy? Look, I, I think Indy has the better quarterback. Okay. I think uh, this week, and normally what you see is, I think Indy has the better running back now, but not this week because Jonathan Taylor isn't playing but or isn't likely to play. So Did he miss today? Did we have that? Did he miss today as well? He missed yesterday's practice, and that was the first practice he's ever, ever missed. Ever. And if this guy misses a practice, something is up. And when Armando um, says ever, like high school, he's never missed a practice until yesterday. 
Yeah, it, it's 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 it was an eye opener that he had to miss. And so I'm thinking that if he has to miss, something is going to have repercussions for Sunday. If not, you know, I, I still think uh, this is a team, the Tennessee Titans, that their best play is the check down pass. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's three touchdown passes, all three to running backs. You can't win like that consistently in the NFL. You can't beat people scoring one touchdown a game offensively. It's not, it's not possible. And you can get away with it early. You can get away with it for a couple of games. But do we see this changing? Do, is Traylon Burks, is all of a sudden he, the light's going to come on and he's going to be, you know, the next coming of whoever? I, I don't know. And Robert Woods, okay. I mean, okay. The point is, um, I just don't, I still like Matt Ryan over, you know, Ryan Tannehill. I, I know you guys love Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Derrick Henry. I don't love yeah, Ryan Tannehill. There's, there's, no, there's no love here. Yeah. Uh, Armando, for you, Armando, we love you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be reading the coverage uh, tomorrow morning. And tonight. Who am I kidding? I'll be up. Outkick.com. And um, we look forward to Sunday's games. Thank you, man. All right. Stay safe. There's Armando Salguero. Uh, read his great work at OutKick.com. Uh, great conversation this morning with Dan Dockich and Kurt Schilling about Aaron Judge. That's next on OutKick 360. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Host of Late Kick, Josh Pate will be with us in nine minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on. Um, If you're not watching Don't At Me with Dan Dockage, mornings across the Outkick network, you're doing it wrong. Great guests, great conversation. Uh, this morning, he has Kurt Schilling on, a uh, friend of ours, friend of the show. Yeah. And they're, of course, talking Aaron Judge and the, the home run chase from the Schilling era. Here is Schilling discussing the Judge 61st homer last night and what he had to say about Judge at the plate, discussing it with Dan Dockage. Aaron Judge is having a, uh, a season for the ages, and I, I'm excited for him. I think he's a, I, I, all I know. He's a good guy, um, but he has 167 punch outs. You show me a guy that punches out 125 times, and I'll show you a guy that I can punch out pretty consistently every at bat or make weak contact because you don't have you don't have a you have hole. If you have 167 strikeouts, you have holes, and, and video shows you those holes. What this tells me is the pitchers are doing very little preparation to face this guy. Uh, especially video work, uh, or their their pitchers in the big leagues have very little command of their fastball um, because you can't cover ninety five in all six spaces. You just can't. And and so, but 
but again, I don't want to take away from what this guy's doing because it, it is cool in many ways. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to this conversation in a little bit, but in many ways, you know, this is to me is the real record. He just set the record. You know, he tied the, the all-time record last night. So there is, to me, the headline. Kurt Schilling, who pitched against the steroid era, is saying that he looks as the real record being Aaron Judge last night. That is truly not taking anything away from Aaron Judge based on what he just said. I would say, and we can have Kurt on soon, he, uh, Judge is also going to the plate where strikeouts and punchouts are accepted. Yeah, it's, like a diff- it's, it's a either different either long time ball in baseball or KO, and if whatever analytics, launch angle, all that. And I, I'm not with it the same way Kurt's not with it, but I don't blame Judge for playing into the analytics and what's accepted based on his skill level and talent level, and he's doing it better than anyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, and I don't think Kurt is saying that either, but he is saying like I would punch him out every time, and he, he's probably right. Yeah, and I, I think just the way baseball's played today, Judge wouldn't care if he struck him out two out of four times in the game. Exactly. If the other time it was a home run and then a, a walk that got the next guy up that hit a home run. It's just and you, you, it's a different numbers game in baseball now than when Kurt and that, played. And that's bugged you too. And he's viewing everything from that lens, and I'm guilty of doing the same thing. Yeah. I hate it also. I hate the, the fact shift that and, people don't choke up with two strikes and try to put the, the ball in play yeah. and make something happen as much hit. as they used to. So I'm with Kurt on that. Hit us up at Outkick360. Uh, Chad, there are plenty of college football storylines we're about to hit. You hit on five of them at your column at Outkick.com. I'm sure some of that will come up with our next guest. I think at least two of them, of my points, will come up with this next guest. So, jo- Josh Pate is terrific talking all things college football. Do you think but this Josh, is going to be very SEC heavy with him Do you today. think Pate State's having as good of a time as we did last year on the Outkick the Tailgate Tour? Because he's going somewhere every week. I can answer that in one word. Go ahead. No. He's not, he's not having as much fun as we had. I agree. But he's getting a lot of good work done on this tour. Wow. And I'm I watching mean, a lot of the coverage. He's the, doing the a great job. The difference is he's getting sideline access. Yes, that, that is different. We have seen that. He also has a better wardrobe, quite frankly. He also works for a company that <laughs> happens to have the SEC in their portfolio. There we go. Which really helps get that sideline access. Josh Pate, access. who will soon be covering the Big Ten, joins us next to discuss the <laughs> SEC sidelines. Uh, 24-7 sports college football analyst. Pate State in the house next. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. We are live. Thursday edition from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville.